coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. You know, it was fashion the good-looking slim and trim black man said, listen, it's going to be fashion week. Let me throw a picture up there, you know, to show a little fashion. Yeah, I never felt any issues walking around either of them. I know the toes keep an eye on pickpockets, but I never felt threatened. America is more dangerous than London and or Paris, Bill. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a nope. token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you just saying thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for trips with friends and having families and save time. God, please continue to just bless us and cover us as we prepare to go back. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Heavenly Father, just thank you for safe travels uh, to London and uh, for five wonderful days in London and now another five or six here in Paris. Lord, we thank you uh, for uh, keeping us safe and giving us, uh, getting us through jet lag. And uh, thank you for all the blessings you bestowed upon us. Amen. So, Odell, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good, Bill. So, listen, um, it's interesting. We're sitting here in Paris. We've been in London. And what's, what's your thoughts, sir? I think uh, a couple things. One is both beautiful cities. We're with our wives, so with beautiful women. Um, we did a lot of walking. I think we've easily done 60 or 70 miles. And I know you and Bev have done more than that. And, uh, and here's the thing. Uh, I noticed you were doing a lot of shopping. I was doing a lot of carrying bags, Bill. I don't really was doing a lot of shopping. I was looking, I was window shopping and my wife was shopping, shopping. So I guess that's the difference between window shopping and shopping, shopping. But you know, it's interesting. We started off on our morning walk, first night, first day we got here. And I saw the ice, the tip, the top of the Eiffel Tower in the distance. And I said, hey, let's walk to the Eiffel Tower. And 3.5 miles later, we're at the base, the base <laughs> of the Iron Lady. So it's like, okay, now it's like we have to walk back. And with that, it's like, we're going to stop and get coffee on the way back. And it's not a straight shot, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. <clears throat> well, I got a question. You Did you buy yourself anything? Uh, I bought a hat. Because, you know, we already have the uh, out of 
Art of Parma hat. You know, we oh, got yeah. those, those yep. shirts. Yep. You know? We got the Art of Parma shirts. Yes. That and we so wore now together. we have our um, London hats that London we bought. Hats, yeah. of, so we have to take a picture, put it on the Facebook page of us wearing our matching hats. Yeah, we look like twins. We got the same shirt and the same hat, right? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Well, what was one of your most memorable moments? Because you're dealing with the culture. Um, around the common ground and the people and there's so much diversity in Paris in particular and London, the whole idea of dealing with the pounds and, you know, the money and then in um, France dealing with the Euro and the money there compared to the dollar. Your thoughts? You know, the thing that I found common ground, I watched, you know, I was much like you. I, I either stood outside a store waiting for Dory to come out or I sat in a store watching Dory shop. Uh -huh. And in each case, I had time to watch people. And, you know, if we're going to be in New York tomorrow, and we're going to go up into the city, and we're probably going to be able to watch people. And I can't tell the difference between the English, the French, or the Americans. They're all human beings. Maybe the dress is different, and the styles are different. But they all, they're all different shapes, sizes, and uh, complexities. And it was just kind of neat to watch everybody uh, on the streets. The streets of Paris were just jam-packed. Amazing. <clears throat> London, we were spread out a little, but we, it, it was busy where we're at, too. Uh, so it was it was good. How about you? What's your most memorable Well, experience? my thing is that, you know, I found out that common ground in the international language should be women buying shoes in Paris. I saw a little bit of everybody and anybody buying shoes. And even though you couldn't speak the same language, even though you have different um, denominations and dollars and notes and currency, they found a way to work it out. And the whole, whole thing of the admiration of shoes shopping in Paris was a big deal. Bill, you know, the other night, though, we had dinner and we were sitting outside in one of the cafes by the roadside, by the, I guess we would call it a sidewalk at home. And we had some interesting thoughts. So what was your thoughts there? Well, you know, I'm from Parma, as you know, and I'm sitting there looking at you uh, and Bev and Dory's with us. And I'm thinking, what the heck is a guy from Parma doing in a cafe in Paris, having a nice meal, with gla nice glass of wine with a black man? Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to figure that out. Well, well, you know, it's interesting because first thing was no black people in Paris. <laughs> you know, there, I mean, no black people in Parma. Yeah. Not Paris. Paris got a lot of black folk, but it's, it's different, though. Black in Paris is different from black in America. Oh, yeah. But it's one of those things where you find common ground and here we are sitting here with our lovely wives on the streets in Paris, having a fine dinner, enjoying each other and just having a good time. So it's just the fact that God can take an Odell from the poverty of Charleston, South Carolina and allow him to be blessed to him and his wife, two generations, one generation from now to fly into Europe to um london and you know go on some amazing tours the bunker and everything else i want to talk a little bit about that because the, you have to know one's history you have to know one's history and england was saved by your main man bill what's your main man winston churchill man that guy was something special 
you know, we went into his uh, war room and uh, it was interesting. We went on a tour that and our tour guide told us that uh, that that particular they called it a bunker. But he, she said uh, a lot of the beams that were put up were fake to make people feel secure. She said if that took a bomb directly, there's no way anybody would have gotten out. And uh, they had a map that kind of struck me. Uh, a map of the area, 10 Downing Street and the Palace and Big Ben and Parliament. And they had marked where the bombs that the Germans sent over uh, landed. And one landed right outside the front door of where their secret uh, war room was. So the war room was amazing. The, uh, you know, Churchill didn't sleep there, but he spent a lot of time there. And they had, what was that machine that they had that they captured from the Germans? I, I, kind of like a, it's almost like a, not a typewriter, some kind of teletype machine that translate what the code was. It was able to break the code that the Germans was using. Once they break the, broke the code, that's when everything turned around, you know, because it's interesting when you look at history, world history, and for many of us, World War One. You know, that's just something in a dusty old history books. And even World War II is in a dusty old history book. And we think about now Russia and Putin and Ukraine, and you're like, oh, man, that aggression. But aggression has always been here. And if you go back, like we say, roll back the curtains or roll back the video, then you see that Germany's aggression was a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's kind of why we have freedom today in the United States and in other parts of the world. And that's why we have these alliances also. Well, it's interesting. There's a lot of parallels to what's going on in Ukraine and what was happening in Germany in, in the 40s, 30s and 40s. Uh, I, I looked it up. It's an Enigma machine. And it said it was a deciphering device used by the Nazi Germans military command to encode strategic messages uh, before and during the World War. So the Netherlands captured one of these and gave it to England, and they were now decoding messages. And I remember there were five dials on the top. Yes. And I, I can't remember. She said each dial was uh, not a day of a month. It was something special. But um, And then once they started to be able to decode um, the messages, one of the things they were able to do is find where the U-boats were so they could start cutting down on the U-boats attacking the supply line coming from America to England. And they had a bar chart that showed how many convoys were sunk. And then they had a part where the Enigma machine they got and it dropped substantially like 80%. But they couldn't uh, tell every one of the convoys what to do because if they stopped them totally, then the Germans would know they had the Enigma machine. So they had to sacrifice some of these supply ships in order to make it look like they didn't know what they were doing. You know, it's interesting. So the sacrifice, in other words, is that some people died so yeah. others yeah. could live. Yeah. You know, some people died so others could live. And when you sit here and you look, uh, we went over to the Louvre today and you see the Mona Lisa and you see some of the other famous arts there and you know of course bill uh when we got here it was uh fashion week in fashion week in yeah Paris. so you know it was fashion the looking slim and trim black man said listen it's gonna be fashion week let me throw a picture up there you know to show a little fashion because they might be looking for a 62 62 year old 
chocolate eye candy you know oh, yeah. so hey if they want to contact well, you know contact my agent contact well, Ms. Well, Cleveland. you know i i noticed right away that uh the first people was uh probably uh louis Vodal and uh and uh he was looking to get you some skinny jeans so louis Vuitton said yeah, try to get louis some, so Vuitton. louis Vuitton uh fashion house is gonna get me some skinny jeans mm -hmm. okay so I that's, think that'll be good if that's the case <laughs> I paid. I paid. I paid to see that on a runway. I'd, in fact, I I I pay other people to go, so I didn't have to see it. Ah, uh, boy, I paid to see that too. But you know, it's interesting when you look at um, one of our basic concepts that the audience knows is that it's hard to hate up close. And when you see people, yes, we have our differences. Yes, we don't agree on a lot of things, but we agree on a whole lot more than we disagree on. And when you're up close and you travel with somebody, Bill, but you really don't get to know someone until you travel with them. And we're traveling and we're walking across Paris and you go your way sometime with you and Dory, me and Bev go our way. And some of the most amazing things happen because we're meeting strangers. We're, we're foreigners in their land, yep. whether it was London and now it's Paris, we're foreigners in their land. And the thing that everyone asks, you know, from back home, whether it's Facebook or phone or texting, they always said, stay safe, mm -hmm. stay safe. Mm -hmm. And I get it. But one thing I want to say, which is somewhat controversial, but I believe it. In some cases, America is more dangerous than London and or Paris, Bill. Yeah, I never felt any issues walking around either of them. I know the toes keep an eye on pickpockets, but I never felt threatened. Um, I want to talk about two people that we met on this trip. Uh, you know, we took the uh, Eurostar, which is the channel. Yes. And uh, we happened to sit uh, at a chair at a place that was, uh, there was a table between us. And, there, and so we were facing backwards, Dory and I, and then there was a young lady uh, that came on. She was from originally from Scotland. She went to school in Scotland, got her master's degree in economics. And uh, she was a delightful young lady. And uh, she was on her way to become a nanny in France. A nanny? Mm -hmm. okay. Her dream, her dream was to live in Paris, in France. So she found a nanny job and she was so excited about it. Uh, when we crossed over and came out of the channel into, we landed in uh, France, she was like a high school kid. She was just like, shaking and jumping and smiling and just so excited. She says, I can't believe this is really happening. Oh, was it? Uh, you know, I never asked her age, but she had to be like 24. And if you're listening, I apologize. But she looked about 18. I got to tell you, she wow. looked real young. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, she was just delightful to talk to. I gave her one of our podcast cards. So maybe she listened. And um, but she was she said she we asked her how many kids. I think there was two boys and a girl. And they, she had her own place, private place, and she, her job was to teach the kids English and to go with the family when they went snow skiing. She was excited about that and out in the country. So that's one person that I remember. And uh, uh, I didn't get her name and I didn't get her email and I wish I would have. Uh, but she has our card and I'm sure she's going to listen to podcasts so she'll be emailing us. Okay. <clears throat> the second one was a girl from Lebanon. Hmm. And let and she was a refugee from Lebanon, a Christian refugee. Uh -huh. There's Muslims there, and Lebanon used to be the Paris of the Middle East. 
Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was the place. And then all the fighting started and people left. And one of my good friends, Pepe Richa, who lived in Panama, his dad came from Lebanon. And the Lebanese people make tremendously good business people. And this girl was talking about how much she uh, enjoyed being in Paris, but she really missed her homeland. And she's been back a few times. She says it's safe now. You can go back. And I went ahead a third girl. She was Russian. Hmm. And she made our crepes. During our walking on the street, we saw crepes. So we stopped and got some crepes. And she was Russian. And uh, she's been living in Paris a long time. So she had she didn't have any Russian accent. Uh, and uh, she said her dream was to come to America. Mm. And uh, she says, do you think if I come to America, I can make enough money with making crepes that I could stay there? And I said, well, let me taste your crepes first and then I'll tell you. And they were good. So I think she'd be able to do that. What do you think, Bill, about the whole idea of America um, we, America, we say it, I say it quite often, and you agree, the greatest country on the face of earth at this time, yep. and proud to be an American, that America is not perfect. We know America is not perfect. We have things to do and things to work on. However, many people who you meet around from other parts of the world will trade their right arm to be an American and have opportunities because America does give opportunities some more to others than some, but the opportunities are there. And I think that in spite of what we find to criticize, and we have a right to criticize, you know, the first, first Amendment, Second Amendment, you know, all the different amendments that we have. But Bill, sometime when you get outside of America and turn around and look back at her, then you see her good, her bad, and her ugly. And I want to say it's more good Oh, than bad absolutely and definitely more good than ugly yeah i agree i didn't feel any ugly american in uh london or paris um didn't feel that at all you know the uh the uh, many of the, like many of the parisians like there's a beautiful church next door and it's called a church and it's it was as big as the notre dame mm -hmm. notre dame's called a cathedral right this ah. is called a church and mm -hmm. i think the difference is at a cathedral, that's like where the bishop or the cardinal stays. Right. <clears throat> so because Notre Dame was burnt, um, the Christmas um, service was held in this church next door. Wow. And it has one of the largest, if not the largest, organ, pipe organ in France. Was it a Baptist church, Bill? Uh, no, I think it was Methodist. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, so it was Catholic. So it, wasn't it was Baptist, Catholic. Huh? It was okay. Catholic. It was all over Catholic. The uh, and it was fun. We Dory and I went in and on the way coming just before we got here, we walked around and you know it's just beautiful. It's huge. It takes up probably two or three city blocks. Wow. And they had a aerial view of it. And you know how Notre Dame uh, was in had a cross. Right. This one does too. Wow. So, you know, it's one of one of my most uh, memorable parts in London was when we went to the Bank of England and we had the opportunity to see oh, how man. the Bank of England, uh, the role it played in financing these uh, transatlantic slave trade and how over time the bank has come to the realization that it needs to tell its history, the good, the bad and the ugly. 
And it had a display downstairs in the Banks Museum that talked about everything from the start to the finish to the Portuguese, the Spanish, and how uh, England jumped into the game and just really took it to such a high level. And And the rationale was, Yes, slavery now, looking back at it, wasn't wasn't good at all. However, during the time, it was an investment. It was just like any business deal where the African rulers at the time traded their um, slaves, meaning that people, they raided another tribe and they took over. They took the people as slaves and they traded them to the Portuguese who took them to the new land and Haiti and other places for the sugarcane plantations. And one thing led to another, and then the Spanish got involved, and then the um, England's got involved. And now you had this full-blown um, slave trade and everyone got rich. Everyone got rich, including the Africans on the African coast who was doing all the selling at first, and then it got out of hand and then they became slaves. So what did you think about that, Bill? As a white person looking at that, from a perspective, because you've heard about slavery from an American's perspective or in Perma. Palmer, I don't even know if they talk about slavery in Palmer's history books in the third grade, but what do you think? No, that's a good point. I enjoyed that that trip. I enjoyed that particular going to the Bank of England because it, it tied into the war room with Churchill. Mm. And let me tell you how, how sugar. I didn't realize that sugar was such a uh, commodity, not from the standpoint, it was a luxury item. People were hooked on sugar. And they give an example. In the war room, uh, one of the teletype people, uh, when people left the war room after the war ended, they left everything. <clears throat> and they opened up this fellow's desk, and he had four or five sugar cubes. And they and they were like, holy cow, that was worth a lot of money during World War II. Because mm. <clears throat> a luxury item. And many people, she said, would take the sugar and just scrape a little bit off the cube into their tea. And and that was a luxury item. So so what occurred to me is <clears throat> the slaves were used to produce the sugar, harvest the sugar came, milled it down, make the sugar and then send it to England and other places. And then people sold it and made money on it. And I I found it interesting that um, people viewed slavery not as we do. They, like you said earlier, they viewed it as an investment. Oh, we're gonna buy part of a boat because a boat gives us a certain return on investment. Kind of like we're gonna buy a stock Mm -hmm. and it's gonna give us a certain return on it or a bond. Mm-hmm. So they bought boats, they bought into plantations, they never bought into the human element of the slaves, but the slaves were the common denominator that made all that happen. Uh, so it was interesting how they never um, brought in the fact of slavery, they brought in the fact of investments and sugar in particular. You know, and now I'm going to take a big leap a leap into Paris as we uh, wind down. You know, one of the things about Paris, and we went on the Spirit of Paris tour, you know, um, Black Parisians and African-Americans coming over after World War II and beyond. And it talked about, of course, um, the artists and uh, the entertainers coming over and 
one of the things it talked about Langston Hughes's debate with Richard Wright over Bigger Thomas. Bigger Thomas is a character in the book Native Son that we all read. And Native Son was a big deal because it was how many in the Black culture was portrayed looking into white culture. And I remember reading that book in college and it was just something that's like, wow, you know, and now the fact that Richard Wright and, you know, Langston, they, 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 they argued, you know, those points. And you started looking at, you know, all the other entertainers and stuff. Bill, what did you think when you saw what was going on? Well, uh, that was interesting, those entertainers when we went around. Uh, the thing that's, that really got my attention is Josephine Baker. Oh, yeah. I had not, I mean, I heard the name, but I didn't know much about her. Folks, if, if you haven't heard about Josephine Baker, you need to Google her name. She was a, a, a special lady in her time. And uh, it, it, she was American-born French dancer, singer, and actress. Uh, and But her career primarily was in, in Europe. And she was considered the... Um, Madonna of her time mm. and people would go come from all around to see her because she would do just outrageous outfits and costumes uh, and she was a beautiful black woman beautiful where was she born Bill? she was born I think in I'll tell you in a minute St. Louis mm. in 1906 and she died in, in 1975 in uh, Paris you know, it's interesting in a lot of cases, Josephine Baker or Richard Wright or Langston Hughes or, you know, a lot of these um, individuals, you went where well, opportunity presented itself. And one of the things the tours talked about was the fact that after the war, a lot of the jazz musicians came over and they did well and they were celebrated. And then the hard part, the pivot was you're celebrated here as heroes. You go back to America and you deal with Jim Crow. And in my case, uh, my ancestors, Jim Crow, the South, because my grandfather came back to the South. And you're like, wait a minute, when I was in Paris, we had certain rights. We were treated a certain way. Now I came back to the South and we're being treated this way, even in some cases after World War II, if a black man showed up uh, riding the bus or something with the uniform on, he would be snatched off and in some cases beaten, killed and everything else. So some of the black soldiers said, hey, the heck with this. We're going back to Europe. We're going to leave America and go back and live in Paris and other places. And I remember reading and doing that research when I was doing my book, but to actually see some of the places where it actually happened and getting a better understanding of what did happen. Because again, if someone gives you a very small piece of the puzzle, you have no idea. And since we're trying to find common ground, we're trying to find the facts as much as we know it. But it was just a pleasure, Bill, to have these experiences with you. Yep. You looking at it from your perspective, me looking at it from my perspective. And then we have a discussion among ourselves to see how it changes, because I believe that it's hard to hate up close. And a part of common ground is to look at things from different perspectives and agreeing to disagree and not questioning one like they're on the witness stand, but questioning for a better understanding. Amen. As we close, Bill, your thoughts. Well, I agree. And, you know, um, I learned so much in this trip about Black history uh, and culture. Um, I do want to take it out on a lighter note. Um, I'd like to say to you, you know, what we need to do next. What do we need to do? Go shopping. 
We need to go shopping. Yeah, we need to go shopping. Let's ask the wife if they could shop some more. Yeah, 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 exactly. So listen. Hey, let me see your hands. I got to do, I want to see your hand. Yes. See, I got, I got all these cuts. You know what it's from? Pull, what? My, pull my credit card out of my wallet. Oh, listen, I didn't even do that, Bill. You best around. Pull your credit card out of your wallet. Listen, the, the key to that is that you don't you don't have a credit card. It's the wife's credit card, so it's no big deal. But listen, we had a ball. And again, the next time you go to our website, you're going to see Bill and Odell and some new duds. Oh, Look yeah. for us oh, and yeah. our straight out of Palmer, black and white t-shirts, and also our london matching hats so hey thanks again for coming along with us on this journey and you know god bless you and just thank you amen amen find bill and odell online at the commonground.show this podcast is a production of bg ad group darren sutherland executive producer jeremy powell creative director jacob sutherland director all rights reserved this podcast is brought to you by yes weekly the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.